Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Before I go into the scripture and sermon, um, our friend uh, Sam Farina, who has been here multiple times over the years. Um, Sam is not only a friend, but a great minister of the gospel, has been an evangelist basically most all of his ministry life, and traveled, uh, has traveled around the world many places, and um, of course is very well known. Those of you who are newer to the church, um, You may have missed when he was here last. It wasn't terribly long ago, but it was a while ago. And Sam, along with his ministry and uh, advanced education, Dr. Sam Farina, um, he fellowships and is kind of a hub for a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders in our fellowship um, across the nation. And... I've had uh, multiple conversations with Sam, and I have been on ministerial forums and things recorded for our benefit, all in light of what's going on at this time as far as churches being limited on gathering and what to do and what state you're from and all of that. And how are pastors uh, uh, looking at this? How are district leaders looking at this time? And so um, I asked Sam if he would put together just a a few-minute video for us just to share a few things with us. And I want to use that as an introduction to um, our message this morning from the Scripture, practical application, things to remember And so I want you to enjoy this video from Sam and uh, maybe glean a few things that maybe you haven't thought of or considered. So uh, a big thanks to Sam Farina. What a joy to be with Pastor Randy and Pastor Sue and to be with you every time I come and speak in person and now to be able to just talk to you about coming out of this COVID virus and renewing church and coming back together. Let me tell you what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a lot of pastors that are saying, we need to be the example, the model of how to obey, be cautious and control this disease. At the same time, come back together, do it right. In other words, follow the distancing, the cleanliness, probably we should have been doing that all along. And with our children especially. Now let me just say this. Here's what I'm hearing pastors that are learning coming out of this. They're saying that they cared for their people, writing letters, old school. They called, they followed up, they were more in touch And because of that, we don't want to now do away with that when we come back together. We probably want to put care and concern for our people even more in the church and in the culture of the church. One church in Renton, Washington, isn't going to do their grand reopening until October 4. And on that day, they're going to introduce 200 deacons just to care for the people. Now, it's a large church, but imagine ingraining that into the culture. We need to care like never before. Secondly, digital is going to be here forever. The virtual discipleship groups, the Zoom meetings, the interacting via this camera, just like we're doing today, it's here. It's here to stay, and don't fail to continue to use that in your church as you come back together. The third thing that everybody is saying is to look at everything you stopped when you entered this crisis and ask yourself, do we need to restart it? In other words, there's some things that just need to end. 
They just don't need to be restarted. And there are some things that we can do differently and blame it on the COVID crisis. As a matter of fact, it will never be like it was. We're going to continue to face this and we're going to have to operate as a church. Remember this, here's the other thing that I'm hearing, that churches that are reaching into their community and doing service within the community had the greatest impact during the crisis and will have the greatest impact after the crisis. Look for opportunity. Who do you want to be known as in your community? And then ask yourself, what are we known as now? Close that gap and become the church that's known in, your, in Sparta as the church that cares about not only Sparta, but the county around you. Let me recap. Digital is here to stay virtual. Use it. Get better at it. Get the equipment to do it. Caring becomes part of your culture. Love each other, care for each other, care for the community. That's the third one. Reach out to those who are struggling financially or whatever's going on with the food crisis or whatever may happen around you in the community. That becomes critical. And always remember this, that God is faithful and He is in control. Can I pray for you as you re-engage as a church, as you more engage in the community, and as you more care for each other just the way Jesus cares for us? Father, be with this church. Be with Pastor Randy and Sue as they lead this church. Give them new insights on how to reach Sparta, to reach the county, to reach in where they couldn't before, but now they can. Oh God, let them become a greater lighthouse in the midst of this darkness that we have been in and we know will continue in the world around us. Let them be the light. Let them change people. Let them share Jesus. Let them be the church that you designed them to be. God bless you. Thank you for letting me share. So I'll talk to you a little bit um, this morning from the scripture, and and uh, this is in light of you know where we're at in um, this uh, coronavirus and church coming back and meeting together, you know, um, not just through social network but also physically and making the road back to that. I know that here in Wisconsin, because of the Supreme Court ruling this last week which basically has opened this up. Um, and, um, you know, there's different expectations. There's a, a variety of frustrations from all different perspectives, from, you know, the, the one side of extreme of, ah, this is all a hoax and baloney, we should have never shut down, never had quarantine, all of these things, to the other end of the spectrum where, you know, people are living in fear. I want you to know that uh, on either end of the spectrum, um, somewhere between those two uh, extremes, there's a place of wisdom. And that's what I'm seeking the Lord about. It's what we should be seeking the Lord about. Um, you know, I know that this... Uh, ruling happened this last week, and there are churches that have opened up, and they're having their physical meeting together, and they've got different protocols uh, from, you know, more extensive to minimal things, and you know what? Um, I want God to bless them. I want God to keep them safe. I uh, trust that when any of us come back to that place through the process, that none of us take this step or self-righteous, arrogant attitude of, well, we opened up, we believe God, we just got faith, we're all right, and promote that as some spiritual maturity to guilt others. So whenever that happens for us, when we start to get together um, in physical presence with one another, that we never take and lord that over some other church, some other fellowship or denomination. Um, 
I want you to know that self-righteous attitude will be uh, a more lingering and detrimental disease than the actual physical COVID-19. That would ruin us as believers in being a good testimony of Him. And so um, that would hurt the church uh, locally, our own body, and even the church maybe at large. And so we want to have a right attitude before the Lord. Um, I know that you're looking from, for direction and some answers in light of what this is. I know everybody would love to say, so when are we coming back? When's the doors open? <laughs> Um, I uh, will work our way through some of this this morning, and I want to talk, starting talk a little bit about the whole idea of quarantine, um, where there were things like quarantine um, described, but the word wasn't necessarily used, and where we kind of get that word from, where it kind of originated in history here in the world, and what that means, and talk about um, some principles from God's Word, and how do we apply it, how do we live and be examples of a church here on earth that exemplifies faith, exemplifies um, having a cooperative spirit with um, one another, a cooperative spirit in our community where we live, and just because they're doing something in another part of uh, the world or another part of the United States, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what has to happen here. Everybody I know has probably an opinion about what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing, and I just uh, want to take a look at maybe what's driving us and what's really, from a Christian perspective as a church, who should be leading us. And that being driven and being led are two different things. And so I want to talk to you about, there's so many scriptures um, in the Old Testament where directives were given. And you can look in Leviticus chapter 13 through 15. You can look in the, the book of Numbers. You, you, can, you can go all over and where God instituted some parameters for people. When it had to do with sickness, it had to do with uh, you know, bodily fluids and open wounds and the list goes on and on. And what God was doing is he was instructing when he spoke to Moses and other leaders, he was instructing them about principles of quarantine. Now, the word wasn't used, but if you read through it and you look at this, you will see where people were to be isolated until they were healthy. And there were time, sometimes time frames given, and those who were sick, and they should be removed from community. Um, well, you know, we haven't, the world hasn't always practiced that. that I want you to know that that principle is a, a principle that God put in place. It was to be a help, and um, it was to be instruction. Of course, humanity gets involved and says, well, we'll do this, or we'll do a little of this, or that doesn't work, or we've got science that does this. And, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm not criticizing science. There are things in the Scripture that we've discovered in science that say, hey, you know what, that Scripture, God's principle wow, that really works. And so, the Old Testament, I know you're saying, well, the New Testament came along, so things changed. Let me tell you what changed about this idea of quarantine. Quarantine in the Old Testament was broken down basically into three categories or three laws. Um, it had to do with something that was judicial. It was something that was ceremonial. And the third thing was, there was a law of morality. Um, when Jesus came and things changed for us, it put away some of the ceremonial things that don't apply to us anymore. In a judicial sense of how they carried things out, that has also been done away with. But the thing is, is that that moral law is still intact. It has to do with consideration, not just for ourselves. It has to do with the consideration 
of others. And so when you look at the Scripture and you look at the laws and what Moses recorded and what went through, I want you to know that when you interpret Scripture, there were specific things mentioned and how they were to be dealt with. But understand that there's an equity value. It's not that here's the Scripture listed all these things, and then that's, that's it. That's everything. There, it extended to have an equity value that it includes other things that may come along that are like these things. Just like when you look in the New Testament and Jesus talks about uh, the evil things that come from our heart. Or you look at the writers of, of uh, some of the epistles and you, they talk about and you know in end times this is what people will look like and what the church will look like and it gives a list. Well, that's not the entire list. It means anything that kind of goes along with that list. Here's just a list to give you an idea of what's going to happen or what people are going to turn to, what people are going to look like. And so there's an equity value that has to do with this is not the complete list. It gives you an idea of what, that, what those things look like and other things that come along. And so... I want us to remember, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I don't want to take it out of context, but understand this has to do with being, having faith and being faithful. And it says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of a sound mind. And all of those are in effect when we look at um, having common courtesy out of the wisdom of God for one another. That though I may not agree with you, and though I may look at this quarantine differently, we're somewhere on the spectrum, out of courtesy and being godly, I will have a respect for you because we are supposed to have a spirit of love, right? A love for one another. And I'll tell you this. When love is expressed from one person to another, it casts out fear. Scripture says that. Perfect love casts out fear. So when we begin to walk through these stages with love being the predominant motivator, caring, understanding there's people on different ends of the spectrum, people in the middle of ideas and all of that, that we have to come to a place, you know what, I need to be motivated by the spirit of love, even though I don't necessarily understand their outlook or how they live or how they interpret this on both ends of the spectrum. From those who just kind of mock the whole thing's going on, it was interesting. I had a conversation with somebody who lives in a small community, it's very rural, and... Uh, yeah, they kind of had an attitude that was at least from this person who conveyed it to me, like, they just think the whole thing's a big hoax, no big deal, blah, 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 blah. And then the first, first confirmed case showed up in their community. And they went, what? <laughs> All of a sudden, it brought a little shift. It got their attention. And it gets you to think. Let's take it one step further. What if that one case was in your family? You see, that's love and empathy and compassion, not to fuel fear, but to express love and concern for other people. We should be walking in that love, not walking in fear, being wise, practical love. You see, today, though the judicial and ceremonial part of Old Testament quarantine, and I want you to know the Old Testament quarantine has extended beyond the Old Testament. Um, I read an article that was, had to do with Jewish community and the whole idea of quarantine. It wasn't even foreign to them. It's like, oh yeah, we've, we've been practicing quarantine you know, principles um, off and on in our culture for decades, for generations. Doesn't mean they always carried it out, but for some this was not a strange thing because it was carried on through the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. Um, so the ceremonial and the judicial part is removed, but 
There's a moral law, there's a moral obligation generated by love and concern and compassion for one another. And that motivation is very, very different. Um, and we'll look at uh, not all the arguments, obviously, but just, I, and I'm not taking one side or the other here on, oh, the quarantine was great, oh, we should have never had it. I'm trying to find what is right in the middle of this, what is God teaching and showing us, um, what is God wanting to do with the church on the earth to continue to uh, promote spiritual growth and, and evangelism and reaching people and being an example in society, maybe to a higher level, because there's an opportunity here that um, we haven't necessarily been afforded, at least in my lifetime. Um, so that spirit of love that we need to be motivated by, it protects us from being irresponsible. Not just from, you know, protocols of COVID, but from being irresponsible of what God has called us to be as a person, what God has called us to be as a believer, no matter of the times. And so, um, you know, the word quarantine, it, it really kind of developed um, decades ago. It, and the word originated actually in, in Croatia. And it was an Italian word ter interpretation that brought this word quarantine to us um, around the world. Um, I want you to look at it this way. The, this quarantine that, that happened, you know the word quarter? You know, it's, a, it's a coin. Quarter. A fourth, right? Fourth of a dollar. That quarter, or quarter quarantine, when this was instituted, um, the quarantine, what happened is there was a form of the bubonic plague that was moving through international parts of the world. And um, most places were, they were doing some things, but Croatia put a quarantine, this new word that came, and it was for 40 days. You could, if you were somewhere else, you could not enter the city there in Croatia, this particular city, for 40 days. You had to be quarantined 40 days before they enter in. Now, around them... There were, there were deaths and people were getting sick and etc. But this one little place put, this, uh, put people in quarantine that they couldn't just come into the city. They left or they were coming back or there was, there was a quarantine. And what happened is that little town, that little place was protected. And they went through this process and you know, different things, uh, scripturally Old Testament, uh, new diseases that have come out and viruses. You know, the incubation period is different and we don't know that there's some, you know, oh, the revelation is 40 days. It's just what they did in the research that they had at that time. I want to read you something um, from Los Angeles. This was back in 1924. And in, Los An in the Los Angeles case, the plague was diagnosed on October 31st, 1924 from the autopsy of a boarding house resident. Twenty-five similar cases of suspected plague had broken out in the downtown Macy Street district. A quarantine was declared, apparently by the state health officials. Um, ill patients were isolated in local hospitals and contacts or suspected cases were quarantined in their homes. In all... More than 3,000 people were quarantined in their homes, and there was good cooperation among the members of the community, the State Health Department, and the U.S. Public Health Service. Although there were 30 cases initially detected with a fatality rate of 90%, it was pretty intense, there were only 11 secondary cases. The drop in the numbers indicated the quarantine had stopped that particular plague. And the rapid spread of the plague 
And the quarantine was actually lifted after 12 days. So I want you to gain perspective here about quarantine. Quarantine isn't the thing that just solves everything. I'm telling you that there's a principle in it. And some may feel, well, how long is quarantine supposed to go and how we should never have a quarantine? I want you to gain some perspective on quarantine. Now, granted, you know, quarantine in the Scripture was basically someone has symptoms, they should quarantine themselves or they should live outside the city or there's a place for them to go or, you know, as time goes on, they're hospital, whatever it is. But because quarantine hasn't been practiced, um, you know, now it's just people kind of going and we're living among them. And so now sometimes quarantine being introduced later doesn't have to do with quarantining the sick. It's everybody's quarantine because it's already been loose among us. And I want you to gain an understanding, as frustrating as quarantine life is, that there could be some value in it. And we have to discover where the wisdom is in this. Now, I know that there are those who say, listen, there were more severe diseases out there and rapid spread, and you can point to influenza and all of these other things that have happened. Said, the statistics of COVID-19 is nowhere near that. So why are we doing some, why is the government doing some of these? Why are people taking precautions like this? I think it's too extreme. I think it's over the top. And so um, we're basing it on past statistics of other things. One of the things that we need to consider in our train of thought is this. If quarantine would have been done in time and in right order, Back when these plagues or viruses or whatever broke out, I wonder the consideration of the humanity that could have been spared. I know that there's thoughts about herd community, you know, herd immunization and herd, uh, herd immunity and how that's built. And, and I'm not a scientist, and I, I, I think there's probably value in that. I'm just telling you so that you can minimize your frustration and your outlook about quarantine, where you're not just, you know, saying this is just a big goof, it's a big hoax, it's all this, it's all that, and the other end of hiding and being living in fear. I want you to know that there's a value and there's a freedom and there's a respect generated by love when it comes to what they did in the scripture. And that needs to be part of our outlook in this process. You know, we're told that in the United States that specifically, not that it's not other places, that, you know, um, quarantine, it's obsolete, it's not practical, and I want you to look at some who criticize that and the viewpoint and what's motivating them. We have watched uh, our economy be affected negatively because of this quarantine. We have, uh, from large businesses and factories to um, family-owned businesses, small business, and I can only imagine what it would be to go through this, especially if you're not getting any aid, and You know, it might be a business that you built from the ground or that your grandparents did and through generation, and here you are facing something that we would never anticipate. And how do we handle it? And the economy, and we need to open up, and we need to... I, In my mind, I understand that in my heart I have a compassion. I don't walk in your shoes. But I, I don't want you to think that it doesn't affect me or others who aren't in your shoes. 
I know it's different living in your shoes than imagining what it is. Um, and so I, I have concern just because, well, we're supposed to care for people. And we as a church, when needs have propped up or something I've known, we have tried to do and have done some help. We don't know the days unfold and what else we're going to have to do. But I, I want you to think about some things here. That what happens in the physical, God uses many, many times as a parallel to what should be going on in a spiritual principle in our life. Um, I want to draw it out this way as, as one example. You know, Deuteronomy 7.3, God gave instruction, do not intermarry with other people groups. Now, I want to say this to you. The motivation for this was not race-based. Just let's make it clear. It was not race-based. It had to do with spiritual uh, life. It was spiritually based. You, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, these are God's people. They know God. Uh, God speaks to them. God leads them. They live by his laws. They live by things he instructed with. Other nations, they, they, God was not their God. They had no God or made up gods and fashioned gods and, you know, demonic doctrines and, and, you know, idols and all of this stuff. And God said, listen, don't intermarry with those people because it's going to pollute you. There was a sense of quarantine for a purpose, to not contract a spiritual disease you can look in Joshua 23, 7. He said, listen, as we move in, there are going to be some survivors from uh, the, the other people groups or from this country or surrounding areas. Listen, when we get there, do not mingle. Do not intermarry with them. It's going to pollute you spiritually. There's a sense of quarantine Psalm 106, verse 35, he says, But you mingled with them, and you polluted yourself or prostituted yourself spiritually. This physical thing with a spiritual principle. So I want you to understand, we're going to live among people who don't believe like us. And we're called to reach them, and we're called to evangelize, and we're called to live out um, you know, Christ's love for people and care for the broken and care for those who are, are lost or don't even know they're lost, just like you and I once. We didn't know we were lost until Jesus found us. But it doesn't mean that we mingle with them and take on their spiritual life. That contaminates. Listen, I've, I've talked with a lot of newer believers or Younger believers, or even believers who walk with the Lord for a while, and I've listened to them talk, and they've got, you know, some things of the gospel down, and they're believing right, and then they throw in some weird thing and some spiritual experience thing that they had or claim that they had, and it intermingles with faith the faith in Christ alone. We don't want strangeness coming into. Our life, we want God's Word, the pure Word of God. Watch our doctrine closely and be empowered by that same Spirit in our life. Listen, I think, uh, you know, much of our outlook on ending some of the parameters, um, certainly here in Wisconsin, there were things that were unconstitutional and it was ruled. And now it's legal to right now at least, to get together. But being legal doesn't mean we just jump back in and that's the best decision. Listen, for business, I'm grateful and I'm glad. And I want you to know that behind the unconstitutional part, it, it wasn't, they put unconstitutional, but it, it was driven a lot by economy. And I get that. I just, I'm affected. I live amongst the state. I live among you. 
But I want you to know that when we get that outlook, that it was economically driven, and then when we look at everything else, because we've been so wrapped up in the economy part, the money part, that now that's our view at every point. And I want you to know that when it comes to the kingdom of God and the church, we, we aren't driven and pressured by the economic part about opening the doors. Hey, I want us to get together. I, once again, I mean, I'm grateful for the eight people who are here besides me. But I would love to preach with a full sanctuary again. <laughs> and the chitter-chatter and the, the, the love and the interaction amongst you and watch that and witness it and have that with you. I, I love that. You know, I'm, I'm not a technology guy. I, I'm doing some new things, but I still got people around me really carrying a lot of that out. I could never do it without them. There's no way. I'm a how you doing, shake hands, hug you, talk to you, laugh, joke, pray together, cry together, and, and that's my makeup. So for this to be going on and be in the ministry, it's challenging for me. That's okay. I'm learning some new things and uh, trying to communicate with people and best we can. And uh, I just want you to know that we're not driven by the economy. You see, for the, the business down the street, if there's no dollars present, they're going to collapse. Right? I get it. A business could collapse and it's going to affect people in the community. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect us. But I want you to know the Holy Spirit is not like dollars. You see, if the dollars aren't present, it collapses. I want you to know when the Holy Spirit isn't present, it collapses. And we have the Holy Spirit in our life, whether we are physically together or we are physically apart, and we're doing things through social network, we're doing things by phone, we're doing things by text, by email, uh, whatever other app you have, that God is with us even when we feel like we're alone or we don't have the normal fellowship expansion that we, that we have when we can just walk in and out of the building. See, the Holy Spirit, He's present. We're, we're not going to collapse <laughs> because He's with us. He's with you. His Word is with you. You know how, the, listen, even in the New Testament, they couldn't always be together. And the church thrived. And they didn't have computers and social network. You know what social network was? It worked like this. <laughs> they would bring a handkerchief to Paul. <laughs> and Paul would touch the handkerchief, and then they'd run off with the handkerchief and lay it or put it on the sick person. Now, Paul didn't know the sick person necessarily, and they were never together. But somewhere, someone networked, touched this, and I'll go to the sick person and lay it on them, or they'll touch it, and they'll be healed. There's a point of contact. Listen, I, I spoke this last week with uh, um, uh, Dr. Dave Nichols, who's no stranger to us here. He says, I'm preaching almost every day online. And I want you to know I'm getting testimonies back. That is, I'm praying online that people are being healed. People are having great experiences with the Lord. I don't want you to walk into this idea that because we're not physically together, therefore ministry can't happen or discipleship can't happen or, oh, well, we'll just wait for when we get together. No. The Lord is with us, whether we are together or we are apart. And I know the Scripture. Yeah, but the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some in the habit are doing. It says in the book of Hebrews. Listen, if the best venue we have for right now, momentarily, 
is for getting together, fellowshipping through the phone or a computer or whatever device it is, there. We are getting together. There is a sharing of faith. Is it the same as when we are in person? No. I don't think so. But you're talking, I'm talking from a point of view that I like being with people and interacting with them. Listen, there's still a fellowship that comes together. I hear about it. Some of you are doing studies together. So, you know, some um, of the ministries in the church are doing the, the Zoom meetings and the, and the small group meeting and the discussion and, and the study of Scripture and, you know, all of that. Some of you are doing additional Bible studies just on your own of what's available, you know, through another ministry or online. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Listen, if you are on the page where we're not getting together, so we're, man, it's persecution to the church. I want you to hear what's been going on. The church has not been singled out. This has affected everybody. This is not persecution. I don't care who's telling you. This is not persecution against the church. They did not come and say, you can't preach a scripture, and that's it, and we're shutting you down, and you are isolated, and you are the ones we're going after. This, what has been going on has affected everybody. We are not singled out. Has it been challenging times? Is ministry different? Yes. Listen, I want to talk about this progressing to where we open the doors up. You know, I'm guessing here, but I'm you know, a little bit of guesstimation. I'm guessing that here in Wisconsin, there's still probably going to be some legislation that may come out, okay, that is deemed constitutional. Uh, I'm sure they're working on something. Um, I don't think it'll be, I don't know. I mean, I don't anticipate it coming out way into the future. There's probably going to be some legislation, things that probably come out to you and I. Um, whether it's limited numbers or the distancing or masks or whatever else that they, they do. Um, from things that are enforceable to suggestions. Um, you know, when we get back together, it's probably going to be a while before we just start putting coffee and pastries out again. I want to, When you come back, I... Wherever you fall on the spectrum, I just want you to know we care about you. There's probably going to be some precautions. Things are going to be a little different. And I will tell you that as much as I want us to be together, I will tell you that this pastor is not having a knee-jerk reaction to a Supreme Court ruling, and um, we're just going to open the doors and you can come on in. I want this to be safe. It's not fear-based, it's care-based. I want us to respect one another. I want us to care about one another. And here's the thing, when we get back together, I want fellowship to happen. I mean, that's the reason, right? I mean, you could be here and I'm preaching, or you can be at home and I'm preaching, and the Scripture's the same. I know being physically present, there's a different sense of energy and all of that that we kind of sense and feel. But listen, at, at some point in our life here, we've got to learn to, you know, feed ourselves. And yes, fellowship is part of it, and to take God's word in, to listen to teaching, and, and all of those things, and the ministry of fellowship, and praying for one another, and praying together. But much of those things can still happen. I mean, I'm, I, I will tell you that. I'm not in a rush for us to get I'm, I want us to get together, but I'm not in a rush out of care and concern. And so I want you to know that right now, you're pastor, and you may be disappointed in this, you might be relieved in this, depending on your opinion where you're on the spectrum. I'm just going to tell you right out, I am a little conservative because of care for people. I am not rushing to fly open the doors. We are not driven by economy. We are led by the Spirit, and the Spirit reaches you even when you can't be here. God's with us. 
We, we, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to care for people. We want to have a good testimony. We want to do uh, re-entry to being together. We, we want to do this in, in right. I don't want to open the doors for two weeks and then we can't meet together. We just go backwards. That we're going to take steps to doing this. What those steps are, I don't know when all they're going to happen. So I want to be very careful about the things that I'm thinking, the things that I feel right about. Plus, I have got to, we're going to talk as a leadership. This isn't just one man's idea here and some dictatorship. We're going to talk as leaders and, and as a board. And there's different perspectives around the table. And I believe that through that, there's going to be godly counsel because we're going to do this based on Scripture, not just personal preference and just impressions. That may be part of the discussion, but we're going to come to a place that is motivated because we love you and we love people and the people who are going to visit. The people who've tuned into this church who have never come here, but now that they've tasted online, a day may come where they darken the doorway of this place, but we want them to know that we care about people and we're going to be safe. The other part is this, you know, rushing back into this, I mean, I, I gotta, I, I'll just tell you, and this is me personally, I'm not telling you this is the Spirit of the Lord, this is me personally, I've, I've got, I'm still in the process of trying to wrap my brain around coming into a warm fellowship-based church, the way we have interacted, what God has done here over the years. I mean, it is one of the strengths of this local church body. Your friendliness, warmth, and care and compassion for one another. Your interaction together. This is not a cold, stoic place. You are filled with the life of the Spirit. We see it. We hear of it from people who come or visit. People who come here and stay. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around somebody walking through the front doors and we want to be a warm, welcoming church and our greeters at the door are, and I'm being extreme here, they're wearing a hazmat suit. You know, the helmet, the shield, the, the whole jumpsuit. Thing. I mean, and I know it's not that extreme, but, you know, they have a mask on and, you know, we're, we're still doing some protocols and we're still, you know, distancing. And, and, and I, and coming into the sanctuary, I mean, and I don't know if this is still the ruling, but I know as of this last week, there was a ruling in another state that churches, you can, you can meet together. you you got to be distanced other than if you live together in, a, in the same house, you can sit together. The rest of you got to be distanced. you got to spread stuff out. you got to do this. you got to do that. Um, and uh, when you're there at church, no singing. You have to wear a mask and there's no singing. I'm like... Because, you know, the molecules now, they drift and last longer and go a little further than they thought and whatever else. And I'm, you know, it's at a point where it's like we're getting to, the motivation is to get together so we can fellowship. And yet all the precautions that are set up, at least at this point, you, we can't fellowship anyhow. It's like, what's the point? Because the Spirit of God is still with you and still with us, whether we are physically here together or we're fellowshipping through different ways of communicating. It's about the communicating. It's about staying in the faith. Listen, I want you to know um, that this waiting period, is, it's frustrating. And for a guy like me to say, hey, social network is your friend. But it is becoming a bit of a ministry avenue to, to express care. Listen, I want you to know, you think of quarantine, how can we reach out? Listen, there's two ways that we reach out. And I want, you, I want to explain it to you this way. One is, I call people. I contact people. I send a text message. Or I'll send an email. I'll do a video message. We reach out. Here's the other way we reach out. Is when we are in need, we reach out to be ministered to. We reach out in two ways. We reach out to minister or to check if there's a ministry opportunity. And the other way we reach out is when we need ministry done to us. So listen, if you're in this church body and say, nobody's called me yet, nobody texted me yet, and I'm over here and I, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who have you called and reached out to? Let me just be pointed with you. 
Secondly, if you're struggling, contact somebody. I have those calls. Pastor, can, I, can we talk? Or text message, can you call me when you have a few minutes? I'm, I'm struggling. I get that, and I'm, hey, and we talk, and I'll pray with them. Listen, caring in this church body isn't all about whether the pastor called me. Who are you calling and reaching to? And when you are in need, call. This whole principle of, of calling when we're in need into fellowship, I mean, you can look at, hey, listen, if you're sick and you're struggling, call for the deacons to anoint you, right? Call. When we're here at church and uh, we, were, we were able to get together like we used to and hopefully that day will return for us soon. <laughs> but, but, you know, after service is over, you come walking down the aisle saying, hey, pastor, uh, struggling this is what's going on. Could you pray for me? See, that's reaching out to be ministered to. Reach out to minister and reach out when you need ministry. I will say this to you that I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks here we can add some things to our website of some people who are going to host a Bible study and that you be able to contact them through that email and they give you then information to join that study or that fellowship group during the week. And yeah, it's going to be through a device. But that's getting together. And that's discussing God's word. And that's praying for one another. And there's a fellowship and a contact point. Instead of sitting back saying, no one's caring for me, or I can't wait till we get together because I have no fellowship. Now, I know that there are individuals who, you know, they can't even watch today because they don't have a device or know how to work it. If you know somebody like that, you need to be part of the answer. Or let us know, and we want to be part of the answer so that people aren't just shut away with no fellowship and no opportunity to fellowship. Listen, I want you to know the opportunities are there. If you're not taking them and you're struggling spiritually, you need to take some initiative. You need to step out. Say, I need to reach to somebody else, but I, I, need, I need somebody to reach to me, and so I'm going to reach to you to minister to me. I need prayer. I'm struggling. Listen, if you're suffering a silence alone and blaming COVID, and yet you have these opportunities, listen, don't use COVID-19 as the excuse. You take some initiative, and you press in, because your walk with God is very important. He cares for you, and the care is available don't say it's not. The care is available. Don't take the bait of Satan through this. There is care that is available, and I want you to stay connected to the Lord, and I want you to stay connected to one another. And there is opportunity for that to happen. And if it's not happening in your life, you better take some initiative. And don't blame other people for it. And don't blame COVID-19 for it. I will tell you right now that that's a, a bit of a lazy excuse. Let me be direct. Your spiritual life matters, and you matter to me, and your walk with God matters to me. And there's people in this church that your walk with the Lord, it matters to them. So hear that today. Direct, but with compassion. Listen, I want to close in, in reading this. And some of you are going, well, when are we opening? I am not afraid to say this. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to discuss the leadership. I'm going to continue to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. See, here's the, here's the beauty about here's the beauty about church. No matter what comes, persecution or other circumstances or whatever it is, the church has never, it's never failed. It's never collapsed. God is faithful. He walks with us through times. He shows us stuff. He teaches us. He uses us. He uses you. Listen, if you're saying, yeah, but the economy of the church. Listen, if you're only tithing or giving when you're here, there's an attitude then that when I come and get something, I pay for it. 
Well, that's not tithing at all. We tithe and give to God because we're his people. So whether I'm physically here or not, we write a check, we give online. So if you're worried about the economy part, you know, just be faithful to the Lord. Faithful to him, whether you're here or not. I'll tell you what, I want to commend this body of believers. I mean, you've heard me say this before. There are people who leave for a vacation, and you know what to do before they leave? They come walking into the office, back when you could just kind of walk in whenever you want it. <laughs> and they drop off and say, I'm going on vacation. Here's my tithe check. Or people coming in after they've been away, coming and saying, hey, here's some back tithe and current tithe because I've been away. I'm going to tell you, there are such faithful people. God has, is blessing you, the spiritual blessing, the protection, the health, the things that, you know, I'm just telling you that God is on your side. He's watching out for you. And you know what? Your faithfulness matters to him, not just in tithe and giving, but in reaching out to people, caring for people, serving having compassion, even for people in the body where you have different outlooks uh, about certain things. We're to be motivated by love and led by the Spirit. And when we come together again, I want it to be a marvelous celebration. Whether you're wearing a mask or not. Listen, I, I don't always wear this. And I know some of you are going, Pastor, you better wear that. And I have worn it. My glasses fog up. <laughs> I know there's the anti-fog ones and all of that. The practical side of some of this is challenging, and we have things to figure out, like, you know, and I know that you all have answers, and we've got some answers in place, and we've got some stuff that's back order, like how are we going to do communion, and, you know, how do we do offerings, and, you know, what, what, you know who's touching what and where. and all. I'm, Hey, there's a lot to think about. You know, and, and so I do wear it. Uh, I, I do have a hard time making it fit. Oh, I'm supposed to wear it up here, aren't I? Yeah. Listen, I want us to be together. And I don't want you to have anxiety, and I don't want you to have fear. And I don't want frustration to overtake your outlook and affect you in your attitude towards the Lord, community, government, and, and taking out stuff from people around you at home when you're not even talking about that. You're just irritable. Listen, shape up, man. Get full of the Holy Ghost. I know that you all yelled amen at home. <laughs> Worship team's going to come. I want to close in this passage of Scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Reading from the English Standard Version, and it's read by RFW, so there might be some translation that goes on as we read it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now watch this. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. I want to make a comment here. When the scripture talks about ministering to the body of believers, it talks about doing what is right for the common good. There's a love, there's a consideration for those who are different than us, caring for the common good for, for everybody. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Everyone, those in the church and those who are outside of believing in Christ. There's a testimony that goes on and how we live regardless of the time. He says this, the Lord is at hand. He's at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. We always focus on don't be anxious for anything. But catch that phrase right before that. The Lord is at hand. Listen, the Lord is at hand. He's with you. He's at hand. He's accessible. Whether you are in physical fellowship with somebody right now or you're not, the Lord is at hand. So because he's at hand and he's close, don't be anxious for anything. <laughs> don't be anxious. I'm excited. I want us to get together. But I can't be anxious because I'll make poor decisions. 
Randy will get involved. I want to try to keep in step with God's Spirit. I want you to fellowship with the Lord. I want you to have peace because the Lord is at hand. And you're not anxious for anything because you're praying about everything. In everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Not out of, I got complaints. But in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. <laughs> Listen, the Lord's at hand. He's for you. He's not against you. These are different days. You're going to make it. <laughs> You're going to make it. And the peace of God, listen to this, when we give prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, as we request, make our request known to God, it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. In other words, how can we, in this time, as a church where we can't physically meet, meet together, <laughs> how, how can I have peace? Well, peace isn't based upon that. Peace is based upon your relationship with the Lord, and when you pray to Him, you do it with thanksgiving. Don't be driven by something else. Don't you know you're going to make it? So as we do that, we do these things, the peace of God which surpasses understanding. How in the world can I have peace when this is going on? Because your peace isn't based upon these circumstances. It's based upon the Lord. It says the peace he gives is not like the peace that the world gives. His peace transcends circumstance, difficulty, sickness, pandemic, quarantine, whatever it is. His peace surpasses all of that. So, that peace which surpasses understanding will guard your heart. Don't be anxious. Don't live in fear. And I want you to know, if, if some of you are just putting blatant things out there like, ah, you're living in fear, and that's your blanket statement, I want you to know something. Appreciate your passion, but you're not helping anybody. If you add things like, let the love of God fill you because his love casts out fear. Or he's not giving you a spirit of fear. Remember, he's giving you a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's words of encouragement. That's words of instruction. Those That delivery is going to find its home in people's hearts. Instead of strapping them with guilt or condemnation because they're not embracing what you embrace. You're not walking in their shoes. Don't you know if you're posting that kind of stuff, just blanket statements, you're not helping anybody. You might think you have this great faith in God and you're making this great declaration. You need to, you need to work on the Spirit of God working through you and how you deliver stuff, how you say stuff. And if you don't know how to do it, then just keep it off your post. And let it be conveyed in your voice over the phone to someone with compassion and yet with strength provoking them to love and good deeds do that you want to proclaim the truth of the spirit of God then do it in his manner so the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Get in fellowship with Him. Give thanksgiving to Him. Put away anxiety. Be motivated by love. And the peace of God will rule in your heart and in your mind. And if you're not doing that, anxiety is going to build here. Frustration is going to build here. The feelings that go along with all that are going to build up here. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start acting accordingly. And that is not the Spirit of God. So, church of God, be full of the Holy Ghost. Be full of hope, joy, 
life, peace. Reach out to people. And when you're in need, reach out to people. Let them minister to you. We've got to minister to one another. Friends, I want to pray for us. And I know that patience is tough in a society where everything's instant, pretty much. Push a button, I got information. Push a button, my order's in. Push a button, I get it at the curb. Push a button, push a button, push a button. Serve the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. He shall renew. The church is not suffering. And if you an individual who are, reach out. Let's pray together. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is a ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember... God is for you, not against you.